What if businesses could make a difference in their own way? This is the question that B1G1 set out to answer. What could happen? Well, transforming the world, of course. This is what we learned from today's guest, two-time TEDx speaker, author, and founder of the global giving movement B1G1, Masami Sato. Joining me all the way from Singapore, Masami and I chatted over coffee and wine as she shared an amazing journey that brought her to start B1G1 14 years ago. Story after story, Masami shares why most businesses start in the first place, what the byproduct of an abundance-centered business is, and do care, B1G1's own values as meaningful actions. So much awesomeness is about to enter your ears as Masami helps me understand what if businesses maximized abundance through small things. Hello there, I'm Lindsay Harl, your host of the Businesses Are People Too, a podcast podcast. As a brand strategist, mindset and behavior coach for quirky entrepreneurs, and a mental health advocate and speaker through lived experience, I am on a mission to bring more human back into our businesses and our communities. How, you ask? Why, by exploring the question, what if businesses realized that they are people too? Now this season, we go even deeper to explore what this question of business as a person means, further discovering what components, connections, and delicious nutrients these live entities need to thrive in today's business world. This podcast is for you if you believe in the power of listening for real human connection to then take action that matters. So, are you ready to hear what could happen if businesses realized that they are people too? Me too. Let's do this together for another awesome season of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. I am so gosh darn thrilled to have this guest with me today. Today's guest is Masami Sato, all the way from Singapore. Now, Masami is a two-time TEDx speaker, an Amazon best-selling author, winner of a Sustainable Business Award, and the founder of a global giving movement, B1G1, or Buy One, Give One. Now, Masami was born in Japan, but her desire to expand her horizons took her on a global journey. She became deeply concerned about the inequalities and other challenges that existed in the world. And since then, she has endeavored to create real win-win connections across all cultures, people, and organizations to realize a different world. Now, she has been a serial entrepreneur since 2001, 
starting and running several, uh, pardon me, commercial enterprises, all aiming to transform the way businesses are operated today. And by taking a completely new look at the power of giving, she founded B1G1 in 2007. Masami, just thank you so gosh darn much for being with me today. Welcome. <laughs> thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yay. We are going to have a lot of fun today on our, on our week conversation. But first and foremost, let's dive on in with a question. So can you please share a wee bit about yourself and why you are so dedicated to supporting businesses and having impact beyond themselves with G1G, pardon me, B1G1. So essentially, how does your company transform businesses through giving? <laughs> All right. So B1G1, um, which is a strong, strange sounding name, right? It's a bit hard to say for, at first, but it stands for the idea of buy one, give one. We started with this uh, imagination. You know, we imagined a world full of giving where everything we did made a difference. So if you just imagine with me for a moment, mm -hmm. so imagine, you know, every time you had a cup of coffee, a child received access to life-saving water for a day. Or imagine if every time you bought a book and learned something great, you could plant a tree or help educate a child. Or imagine if somebody purchased a TV, then somebody received um, access to uh, surgery to gain a vision. Or So the world of B1G1 has many, many stories like this. And the potential is massive because business activities are happening everywhere around the world. So only if we could connect everyday business activities with life-changing, high-impact uh, activity, then we can come together to transform our world. So this is the idea. And how we do this is uh, that we connect with thousands of businesses that are doing what they do uniquely every day, and then help them find the ways for them to embed the giving activities in what they do. So B1G1 today has more than 500 projects uh, working with businesses. Businesses might say every time even like we have a meeting, you know, Zoom call, we would uh, educate a child or give somebody access to microloan to start a business or uh, every time somebody download our, you know, ebook e or digital report, we would actually give access to digital education to a child in rural village for a day. So um, this is how B1G1 does what it does. And since uh, 2007, <laughs> we started, we have worked with more than 3000 businesses and those businesses have together created over 200 million giving impact together. So this kind of says a lot about the, the power of small things. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think one of my questions is, you know, why is this idea of giving so important to you personally? Because this is a huge endeavor that you took on. And I mean, the power, like 3000, like companies, projects, all of these coming together, you're, you are very much, as you say, you're creating this global movement. And so why is that so important to you, um, mm. sort of on a personal level? 
Yeah, yeah. So actually, when I was young um, and I grew up in Japan, mm -hmm. I was a very shy child and I had a struggle connecting with the world because I was very timid and I didn't know how to speak about my thoughts and ideas. So whenever I tried to talk about me, like I, I just got stuck or I started to cry or something. So that was me. But at least I had like this curiosity, you know, so I kept mm -hmm. asking questions inside of myself about everything I saw. And actually, because my grandparents had this little family business in Tokyo. So in my childhood, I always spend quite a lot of time in their businesses, uh, business helping them on a day to day basis. So I learned the kind of like spirit of service and business in Japan growing up. So anyway, after I uh, graduated from school in Japan, uh, my curiosity took me to travel around the world. So this like very shy, uh, you know, young Japanese girl uh, started to backpack and go to so many countries and spend quite a long time being with many different people um, from many different countries. And during that time, even though I felt initially a little intimidated or scared <laughs> in certain circumstances because I had no choice not to actually connect and speak with people. So uh, with my limited English, I started to connect with people in a very simple way. And that was that time I really experienced that actually the world wasn't a scary place and we were kind of all the same or similar in some ways that everybody wanted to um, do good in some way that they wanted to uh, be happy or they wanted to make somebody else happy or so wherever I went I always found people who are so kind and generous to come to help me whenever I needed help so in that like uh, you know discovery of a connection and true mm -hmm. human spirit in a very very simple way um, I also started to see uh, the things that were not making sense to me, which were uh, the facts like uh, children, you know, young children not being able to go to school and they are working in a field or begging on the street because that's they, you know, how they were born in, in, in that circumstance. And there was nothing people could do about those things. And so I thought like, why is this happening? Because there are many people in the world who had a lot more than enough, but some of those people didn't seem to feel happy, you know, even when they had a lot, lot more. <laughs> but then there were places where people had so little, but in those places, when I was lost, then people were inviting me to have lunch with them or let me stay in their house. And I used to think like, no, like I can't take your food because you don't even have enough for your family. But actually, the moment I could share in uh, what they had, that made uh, them happier, you know, to be able to share something with somebody else. So I realized that the, their happiness, you know, or quality of life wasn't necessarily determined just by the material well-being and wealth, but it was, it seems to be that the people who had this giving spirit seemed to be happier wherever uh, we, I went. So, um, so I had this impression, uh, but I, I had a, also a dilemma about the fact that I couldn't actually help everybody, you know, who I thought should be helped. Um, so um, years later, when I became a mom and I gave birth to my baby daughter, that was when I really, really connected um, with something. And I felt this like uh, 
you know, amazing sense of love and connection with this little thing, um, helpless little thing. And, and um, so that was that time I started to think about all other kids I, I met along the way. And then I finally realized that um, I wanted to do something, you know, even though I can't help everybody or I can't fix all of the problems in the world, but in my own way, if I could just do something more than taking care of my own family, then that would be enough. So mm -hmm. that was uh, when I became an uh, entrepreneur <laughs> and uh, started my first business. And that like journey took me to the discovery and the founding of B1J1, uh, you know, about six years later. <laughs> so that's why giving is important to me. <laughs> I, you know, thank you for sharing that. And it's so beautiful because it taps right into that value of, of, of giving. And, and I know, um, you know, you speak on happiness and happy centered businesses and all of that. And what actually makes humans happy? And I know just from the work that I do with, with mental health specifically is one of the things that is often prescribed is giving back, volunteering, you know, doing and being of service because that does something to the brain. So that is just so gosh darn beautiful what you shared. And thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so thank you. And then thank you for taking all of that learning and creating this great movement. And um, because this this podcast is all about businesses and business and we speak to business leaders, you know, I'm wondering, and one thing that you share in, um, in the story of B1G1 is, you know, you believe that most businesses start off, you know, and they have these great aspirations. And, and I agree. And this is in a lot of the conversations I've had as well as people start because they want to do good. They see something's not working and so they want to fix it. And, you know, but I'm wondering, you know, and this specifically goes to that happy, happiness-centered business that you speak on quite, quite frequently. So what is then a happy-centeredness? What part of me, what does a happy, happiness-centered business mean? Mm -hmm. And why should business owners consider centering happiness? Uh, like what will this do for their people? Mm -hmm. and the larger community that they are serving? Yeah, I love that question. Um, actually, before I started the B1J1 or before I started my own business, there was, was a period of time when I was a little bit skeptical and judgmental about businesses because I, you know, when I saw a lot of global issues in front of me, I thought maybe it is consumerism and businesses that are creating those challenges in the world and making people want to get more of something which they may not need. And then as a result, we created more waste or uh, challenges. So that was like how I, I initially saw it. So then what I did and back in Japan at that time was to decide not to buy anything. And, and, and so I moved to countryside and spent two years working with farmers, um, traditional farmers in little village in Japan. 
and they were doing organic farming, a natural way of living. And I thought like, if I could not buy anything, then I'm not uh, being part of creating any problem for anybody. So I, I wanted to learn to make everything by myself. So that, that was what I did. But actually what I learned in those two years um, was very uh, you know, amazing because uh, I realized I was wrong at first because I couldn't become self-sufficient no matter how hard I tried. And trying that, it wasn't joyful <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, that meant that I would judge everything, right? I shouldn't have this, I shouldn't have that, and I shouldn't buy this, or this is evil, or that's bad, or something. So it's not joyful to start up with. And, um, and also, um, what I discovered then was the natural way how farmers um, created abundance. Mm -hmm. And then, so if we learned, if I, when I learned from them, it was really about understanding the natural cycle around us and to, to find the ways to be part of that in the best possible way and give. So for example, if we are taking care of our soil, you know, and then of course, like we will have a better uh, harvest later on. So it started from us giving something and then that kind of be part of creating the natural abundance. So um, when I realized that, I realized that actually businesses were um, potentially a vehicle for good. Or, you know, without the businesses, we cannot change this world. Mm -hmm. And so if businesses just realized that there is actually this natural cycle around us. And in order for us to create real long-term sustainability and abundance, we need to find ways for us to actually give to this ecosystem that's around us. So that was the kind of realization that we don't need to judge anybody because every business has a good intention. Every person wants to live a good life or uh, make other people happy. So if we could just potential, you know, maximize the potential of the power that businesses have, and then just connect these little dots so that every business can actually find ways for them to contribute, to understand the you know, natural cycle around us, then we could together uh, really transform our world. So um, I would say it's not necessarily just about the happiness-centered business, but it's about the abundance-centered business because abundance-centered business will come from the abundance mindset to be grateful to start up with, to understand that they have something that they could give, no matter how small they are or what, what, which stage of business development they are in, what challenges they face. Um, we can always find something that we could give. And then if we start from this, then naturally we attract giving people around our business, the people who want to be part of such an organization. And working in that environment feels so much better and things work so much more easily because we can trust each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all come together with the right intention mm -hmm. and to uh, benefit the customers and clients. And um, so I think this is just a, like a natural, you know, win-win game, like uh, why not, <laughs> right? Like, because we want to be happy and we want to create abundance. So let's create abundance-centered business. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I love that you said that because it really plays into the mindset of a, of the business personhood is, are these businesses coming at, you know, not coming at, but trying to grow within their community from a scarcity standpoint of we must mm -hmm. collect, collect, collect and be the best, or 
that abundance mindset of there's always enough so long as we're giving back and working together and collaborating and being part of something bigger within our community and how do we serve that and that's so beautiful I love that so gosh darn much it's you know it's not happiness centered it's abundance centered and the byproduct is happiness and beautiful oh my golly oh Miss Emmy, I'm just loving <laughs> learning from you so gosh darn much <laughs> I mean and, and you know and you very much uh started to touch on this a bit is like you know it attracts the right people who want to be a part of that to build that trust and so how then can companies start to begin to implement that abundance first so that there's this people first approach so that they can start to attract those right people and then hire those right people for their team, their specific values and their culture. And, and part of this also goes to knowing um, because with B1G1, there are so many different organizations that it's not it, that you can give back to literally anything that you that interests you and that is of value to you and your business. So how do you how do companies start to understand what is the thing they want to start to invest in so that they can start to attract those people with those same values and mindsets to to grow? Fascinating. Go. Mm. <laughs> your turn. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, your analogy about companies being like human mm -hmm. is just really spot on, because I think when we talk about developing any company, it will start with a person, you know, mm -hmm. let's say a founder or initial team or so when that person or this group of people have this like genuine spirit of giving or you know abundance focused mentality or the genuine caring about the challenge that they are set out to solve and this this is really really important because if the motivation behind starting a business is simply about oh let's just make money you know it seems like a quick way to make money and we will just maximize this uh, you know mission Mm -hmm. There is a difference there. So I think starting with that genuine sense of, you know, uh, that the desire to make a difference is really, really important. And then when you have this, even though it could be a little overwhelming to try to do everything right, I don't think we need to worry about that because every stage of business development, um, you can just make one step forward. So you don't need to be totally right. So even like when you want to uh, make a difference and do some giving, if we try to be perfect in our choice, then we get overwhelmed and we might not start. So it's, it's best that we just to, you know, don't overanalyze it and then just to find the one thing we can do each point of that each point of time. And then when we do so, we put our spirit into this. So that one action, having that genuine spirit and intent is far more powerful than doing few things that seems to be totally right, but you don't really care about those things. You're just doing it because a consultant said we should do it that way or something. Then, you know, often that, that has a dis disconnect. So even the hiring decisions, quite often, uh, you know, the most in, one of the most important thing is the feeling like it feels right mm. and and you can really trust each other and that's actually very important um, but at the same time as we get bigger and develop as an organization we got to then start thinking about growing a family 
because it becomes bigger than one person. So growing organization is growing like our family, you know, and then to nurture people. Like, so you, you will be hiring people who you want to welcome into your family. You wouldn't be hiring somebody who can just do the job, but we need to hire people who get your spirit of why you do what you do. And when you are doing this, and if you have that trusting relationship, even when there are challenges and difficulties, we actually can come together to solve those things. And the conversations we have like uh, in terms of uh, hiring as well as also you know, onboarding or as well as team re regular review, performance reviews or even firing situations. When you have a family-like organizations, those conversations come with a genuine intent to try to help everybody to um, see the best potential. You know, like, so uh, the difficult, the most difficult conversation in business is probably the firing situation or a repositioning situation when somebody is having like an issue with their performance. But those things are you know, not difficult actually if we had a family-like involvement because we are talking about those challenges to see the best of the person. If somebody is you know, working hard and not performing because that job role and the person's natural quality is not matching, this is a natural, genuine conversation to try to help the person find the best place to do the best. So um, I think that like uh, ultimately, even though there are lots of other things we could do, ultimately <laughs> the simplest um, thing that we could all do in our business is to kind of question like, uh, how can we um, turn this company into a family-like company where decision, we can then implement the decisions that the family businesses might make. Mm. That's so fascinating. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how can, how can leaders when they are hiring, start to identify those people with that, this is the right mindset, they have the right values for hmm. our company, they get it, they get what we're trying to do. And they will be a part of that, you know, skill sets aside, personalities aside, how do they identify those really key things? Like, are there specific tools that they can use? Questions? Like, yeah. how, what is that? Um, so at one point when the size of a company, because if you have a, like a one person business or you only have a few people, then you probably need, don't need to try to create a process. It's more like a relationship building. Mm -hmm. But when we get the uh, you know, bigger size where your team members may be also hiring somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? Like then you got to have a clear process as well. And then also to make sure everybody understands this concept. So what you would have to do at one point is to really identify the culture of the company and mm -hmm. values within the company and what those values actually mean. And that might start with you, you know, as a founder or CEO of a company, or it could start with a small group of you know team initial team who mm -hmm. would identify that together but um the values are very important so um just to give you an ex example in b1g1 as a company we also have uh, very well known you know values in the company among our team everybody knows this so we call this do care values um, so these stand for desire to improve all stand for open-mindedness C stands for courage, 
A stands for account accountability, R stands for respect, and E stands for enjoyment. So it's do care. And so those six um, items came up through the you know, team discussions and you know, we really thinking about what are critical in making sure we can together do good things. Right. And um, another thing is we, uh, you know, coincidentally, it became a nice acronym, do care. But <laughs> this is very symbolic to us because we believe that the doing and caring together makes a difference. It's not just about hoping and wishing, you know, caring about things, but it's about taking the meaningful actions. And when we bring these things together, we can transform our world. So. When we have this, then every single day, we actually talk about this. Every time we make decisions, we are thinking about, are we actually being the best expression of do care to make this decision? And because these values are not single-sided, so even though, like for example, open-mindedness is very important that we actually always be open to new ideas and change. But at the same time, um, we also need to be respectful and at the same time, we need to make sure that we can actually enjoy doing this, right? Like, so when yeah. you try to balance this multi-factor value, um, no, values in the company, then naturally we continue to learn to balance our approach and the decision-making or relationships within this context. So it becomes the kind of guiding North Star and I think every company can do this kind of exercise because when you do this and you actually post it publicly, uh, even in job ad, you uh, write about this or people outside the organization know about this, then eventually, <clears throat> whether it is a hiring process or um, quarterly you know, performance assessment, this, these um, things become really pretty much part of that. Um, and then you can develop things more. But ultimately, that's very important that your mission is aligned with you know, what you stand for. You're coming from the genuine spirit of you know, what you want to achieve. That's one. And then the next is you map out the values that allows you and your team to achieve that mission and to really, really consider about what are required in making sure that happens in the long term, in the holistic and happy, you know, fulfilling way for everybody. And then after that, it's a matter of being consistent about applying those values in everything you do. And even as a leader of the organization, you need to give permission to everybody in the company to challenge you when you actually go off. You know, so that's yes. like that's that's really the family spirit of trust and uh, togetherness that we can create. Oh my goodness, I I love that you have this acronym. But one thing that I love is that you end it with enjoyment, and because that like if we're not enjoying what we're doing, why are we doing it? Mm. I mean, over and above you know serving others, of course. But <laughs> and and I, it's it's brilliant and. I love too, because this is something I think a number of businesses are learning is that values are actions. They are not just these statements to say, but if they have to be actionable mm -hmm. and how do we show that? So I love that you've really highlighted that within your values directly of, you know, these are our values and these are the actions that we relate them back to. Mm -hmm. And it all sums up with enjoyment. 
and that's yes. that's beautiful and brilliant. Um, I just want to expand on that enjoyment Please. part because yes. um, I, I love using all sort of analogy to kind of express and understand the things because that kind of makes it really like a, something that clicks. So to me, why enjoyment is so important is profoundly important um, because um, when we really think about what we are doing, you know, living life, you know, being born as a baby and grow up as a child and become an adult, and then eventually we become senior age, and then one day we wouldn't be here anymore, mm -hmm. right? And then same as business, we one day start a business and we work really hard to grow and then form partnerships and become bigger or more, uh, have more reputation and have more profit. Or, but one day you may not be here with this business or business might need be, it might change or uh, may not be needed anymore because the world change. Mm -hmm. right? Like, so this is a cycle of, uh, you know, something that we are part of. And I see this pretty much similar to the games we are playing. Like when we play a game, we come up with great concepts and we have rules and we play and we uh, make a mistake and then we uh, laugh and we keep moving and then we might reach a goal. And but, but, so this is pretty much like, uh, you know, how life uh, looks like, you know, we are playing this game. But then what we tend to forget is when we focus too much about winning the game and gaining the points, and, and then also cheating or something, <laughs> then the game becomes less enjoyable. And, but the thing is the whole purpose of playing a game is to enjoy. Mm. So if that's the case, maybe the whole purpose of living a life or running a business is to enjoy, to feel that there was a reason or purpose that we could live with. And at the end of the day, we feel fulfilled mm -hmm. and feel grateful for the people we got to share this game together. And mm. that's how, you know, if we treat um, our life and our business in the way that we are playing this game together, then the people around us are our game players. You know, we, we can have a maximum enjoyment together. And of course, gain more points together because it's also fun as well. <laughs> but we need to remember that enjoyment part yeah. <laughs> as well. Beautiful, uh, just beautiful. I absolutely adore that. That is such a great answer and, and mindset to take. And I think that whole play aspect, what a brilliant analogy because businesses need to remember to play. I mean, life is hard enough why aren't we playing and if we're in work so much of our lives let's bring a little bit of fun and play in it because i mean when we look at studies too companies who play and have fun together tend to succeed and create bigger impact um and have higher satisfaction and yeah it's just that mm, and, and really this kind of leads beautifully, in, in my opinion, beautifully into the next question is all about that sustainable business culture. And mm -hmm. so creating a culture that is one that people enjoy, that is almost more sustainable. And so you know, I, I'm wondering, can you share what you believe is a sustainable business culture to you? And then, you know, with B1, uh, B1G1, you know, now in year 14, 
you know, how do you think that your own definition of a sustainable business culture might actually change for businesses now even over the next decade as, as companies start to transition from this mentality of profit first to people mm. first? What, what does that look like for you? And mm. yeah, what does that look like mm, for I, you? What do you think? Yeah, um, I think that is a very good question after the previous topic, because <laughs> this is like sustainability sounds, you know, sometimes very complicated or too serious or, you know, like a bit boring or something to lots of people. But if we go back to that the game analogy, mm -hmm. then if we just explain expand the playing field right like so let's say this game was actually a world game mm. and everybody in this world is playing this game together and our purpose is to create a you know most lasting happiness in this world and a beautiful environment we get to play in and if this was the ultimate objective of this game then every player in this game whether you know the person running a business over there <laughs> or people who are working in a factory over there to produce something or people who are fishing over there or so every player is actually taking a part in playing this game and somehow we have a voting right in this game to form the way that decisions around the world are made then what would we do and I think this like a voting right is an interesting concept because many democracies started to actually have these voting rights to people so that decisions are actually uh, driven by the people. However, that will also elect leaders who would actually make you know, decisions on behalf of the people, expressing the views and the aspiration of the people. So um, Every day, we actually do have these voting rights, such as um, our choice about buying a product or service, right? Like which company do you support? That's a voting right that we are voting. And, or, you know, what, which company do you choose to work for? That is your vote. And, uh, um, you know, which leader do you support or which friend do you want to hang out with? That's your vote. So every single day, we are casting this vote to shape the world in such a way and so if we want to create really a sustainable world, we could start voting <laughs> and to be conscious about the vote we are casting. It, yeah, I mean, it's very much about that, that consciousness that bringing our intention into what we're doing as opposed to just going, going, by, going with the flow. It's being very intentional on how, how do we play the game so that the entire world wins what are our decisions on that I mean, yeah brilliant thank you I, so so masami i have one last question for you actually i have a million more questions for you but for the sake of your time um i have one last question for you before we get into that though how can our listeners connect with you how can they learn more about b1g1 uh, where can we find you? 
<laughs> okay, so if you are interested in finding out more about B1J1, you can go uh, online and type b1j1.com and mm -hmm. you will find us. And if you forget, like, what was B2, 3 or something, <laughs> then go online and Google buy one, give one, which is easier to remember probably, and we will come up as well. Um, if you are interested in connecting with me personally, then you can find me on LinkedIn and I, you know, regularly share some posts so you could follow uh, as well yeah so that's what we can do and i'm looking forward to connecting with uh, your audience beautiful <laughs> yes and i will absolutely be sure to put uh put the b1g1 website and your linkedin information in the show notes so should people have problems typing b1g1 on google but I'll be honest, you come up first, first page, first ranking in any search engine because I tested that out. So <laughs> you're very easy to find. But yes, I'll put that all in the show notes. Now we're ready for our last question. And it's time to play again. So Masami, in your mind of opportunity and possibility, what do you believe would happen if businesses realized that they are people too? Mm. And and actually they are, right? Like businesses are like organisms. And so when we talk about the family, mm -hmm. you know, as the kind of metaphor of business, like a best form of business, then yeah, business is a collective of individuals, but it starts with just one potentially it's just one person or a few people, right? Like, and then that how the spirit um, of those people in the organization drive the spirit of business and how that actually impacts the world and everyday lives around the world. Business really is an organism. And so that's why every business is different. Mm -hmm. Every business has a personality. Every business has a focus or a characteristic or a part of ecosystem that they get to play. So that's why there is never one single strategy or approach or things that work for all businesses. We need to discover this ourselves and keep learning. Mm. So it's pretty much the de you know, development of business is like a development of life. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, you are so speaking my language. Oh, I just love it so much. One, I mean, brilliant answer, brilliant insights. Masami, this has been such a lovely interview. Thank you so, so much for spending your, your morning, <laughs> the first little bit of your morning with me. <laughs> it's just been such a pleasure to have you. And I cannot wait to see how you continue to impact this world. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me as well. I really enjoyed your questions. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. And to everyone, as always, um, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day. Oh my goodness. Lindsay here to just say thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. It's listeners like you who are going to change the way business is done, bringing real human connection back into our businesses. 
If you believe that businesses are people too and are curious about how you can add more human into your business brand and values, then let's chat so you can take action that actually matters to you and your people. Simply email lindsay at therightharl.com or find me online at www.therightharl.com or quirkylindsayharl.com. And to never miss an episode of the brilliant minds we get to learn from, be sure to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast platform. You know, either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Of course, if you really enjoyed this episode, you would absolutely make my heart do a wee giggle if you left a five-star rating. Until next time, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day.